to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today, we are discussing Meng Hua Lu, A Dream of Splendor. This drama just aired in June on Tengxun, but is available on YouTube with English subtitles. Today, we're going to provide a general plot overview of the drama and then go over what each of us liked and disliked. And then we'll close off with our final thoughts and rating for the show. Meng Hua Lu, or A Dream of Splendor, is set in the Song Dynasty, and the story follows the lives of three women, each with unique skill sets, who head to the capital of Dongjing following personal troubles and create a thriving restaurant business. The drama stars Liu Yifei, Liu Yan, Lin Yun, and Chen Xiao. A Dream of Splendor is loosely based on the story Zhao Pan'er Feng Yue Jiu Feng Chen, written by Guan Han Qing during the 17th century. The story is of Zhao Pan'er saving her friend Song Ying Zhang from her abusive and philandering husband Zhou She, using Zhao Pan'er's wiles as a woman to save her friend. The drama's name in Chinese, Meng Hua Lu, or A Dream of Splendor, comes from Dongjing Meng Hua Lu, or Eastern Capital, A Dream of Splendor, written during the Song Dynasty, that is a memoir about the lives and wonders of people during that time. And for those of you who have listened to our podcast series on the story of Minglan, we talk about uh, or reference Dongjing Meng Hua Lu quite a bit. The memoir recounts everything from daily life to even recipes during that time frame. Set during the Northern Song Dynasty, the drama follows the lives of three women and their trials and tribulations in leaving their hometown of Tiantang, heading to the capital, settling there, and ultimately running Yong Anlo, one of the largest restaurants in Kaifeng, which is Dongjing, the eastern capital. Throughout the drama, each of the three women have their own storylines and finding their place in the world. Whether that's through their careers, their relationships with each other, or their romantic relationships, each grows to become a quote-unquote modern woman in the capital city. On the other side, the men are mainly focused on politics and uh, their career as political uh, ministers, so we're going to kind of not talk about them that much for this review. So let's discuss the three main women of the drama. Number one is Zhao Pan'er, played by Liu Yifei. Zhao Pan'er is a young woman of 24 with many talents and the owner of a small tea parlor. She heads to Kaifeng, the capital of the Song Dynasty, to speak to her betrothed after learning that he has passed the imperial entrance exam and wants to take her in as a concubine, not a wife. <gasps> Second gasp. Zhao Pan is the daughter of a general who committed a crime that resulted in his entire family, his wife and daughter included, uh, have their status as a citizen fall from that of related to an official, to the lowest, a.k.a. Jianqi. 
The drama's YouTube English version translates this to pariah status, which I don't know if that's exactly right, but you can think of women in this class or individuals in this class almost as slaves. Women in particular in this class were seen essentially as prostitutes and had very little rights or ownership of themselves. Luckily, Para was removed from this class with the help of her father's old subordinates, and she is now a shop owner, despite also being an orphan. Her background of having been in the lowest class is an extremely important point of contention in the drama. Next up, we have Liu Yan as Sun Sanyang. Sun Sanyang is a 30-year-old woman who has the strength of an ox and incredible cooking abilities. Sanyang was heartlessly divorced by her husband, whom she worked tirelessly to save money for to start his business, and was also ditched by her teenage son. They were both crappy people. <laughs> left without a hope in the world and nothing left to lose, she accompanies her good friend, Par, to the capital to start a new life. Rounding out the trio is Song Yin Zhang, who is portrayed by Lin Yun. She, Yin Zhang, is one of the best pipa artists out there. Song Yin Zhang unfortunately struggles with her identity throughout the drama due to her class. She desperately wishes for someone to help her out of her status in the Jianzi status, and firstly, she's whisked away by Zhou She, who subsequently abuses her. After being rescued by Zhao Pan, she also joins the rest of the ladies to start a new life in the capital, where she dazzles listeners high and low with her impeccable pipa skills. Last but not least, we have Chen Xiao, who is Gu Qianfan. He is a 30-year-old handsome officer, also known as the Living Devil, or Huo Yanluo, at the intelligence agency at the Capital Security Office, or Huang Chengsi. He is secretly the eldest son of the newly reinstated Prime Minister, Xiao Qinyan. He blames his father for abandoning him and his mother when he was young and assumes the identity of Gu Qianfan, which is his mother's last name. He meets Zhao Pan while on assignment to Tiantang and slowly falls in love with her. His plot really revolves around uh, politics, factions, and let's just say 40 chests, I guess. So we won't, again, be paying too much attention to him during our discussion. Okay, with the high-level overview out of the way, we are going to talk about the three things we liked and then also three things we didn't like each in the drama. Trust me, this was so hard or is so hard because I love this drama. I had to say Three, and that's it. Otherwise, Karen could go on and on. I know. I'm going to just completely blabber on for the entire, I don't know how long, about how much I really like this drama. So what do I like? First, it is an absolute feast for the eyes. Have I gushed enough about how beautiful this drama is? No. But in my mind, its beauty does not lie in the dazzling gleams of jewels and extravagant clothing that we've grown accustomed to in palace dramas. Instead, this drama seeks to have a more understated and elegant air. The director in behind-the-scenes clips stated that she explicitly wanted to film in locations in China with plenty of water, 
which is evident throughout the drama with small little boats that people used everywhere and the little canals in the show. They apparently scouted many different historical villages in China to find a proper filming location. Part of the reason is because the director also did not want to uh, subject viewers to repeat viewings of the same set pieces from Hengdian. Hengdian is where so many of these historical dramas are filmed. And she says that if I do have to film here, I want to film it in such a way that you aren't constantly reminded it's the same set. That's oh. something that I really appreciate. That makes sense. The final result is that when you watch Meng Lu, there's a sense of calm and serenity that also showcases the charm of historical China that we really don't get in a lot of other historical dramas. But I think when the drama decides to go big, your eyes kind of light up with those scenes. Yeah, there are a couple of episodes where there's just extravagant costumes and uh, food and jewelry. So don't worry when I say simple, it doesn't actually mean, you know, too simple. To that point, the costumes were also explicitly designed to be as floaty as possible, which came into great effect whenever Liu Yifei, our main character, danced. And it's stunning. So that brings me to my next point, Liu Yifei. I have watched Liu Yifei growing up. She hasn't started many dramas, but the ones she did film definitely made an impact. Think about it, Chinese Paladin or Xianjian Qixia Zhuan and Return of the Condor Heroes, or Shen Diao Xia Lu. In China, she has the moniker of Shen Xian Jie Jie, or Goddess Sister, for just how stunningly beautiful she is. Folks in the West may know her from Mulan, which probably is her, like, ugliest role, know, one of her ugliest like roles. Um, if you want to see just how beautiful she actually is, watch Meng Hua Lu. Her poise and composure is rarely matched in the Chinese entertainment industry today, and I just could not tear my eyes away from the screen whenever she's being portrayed. For me, there was this one scene early on in the drama where she particularly gets dolled up, and I saw her and had the reaction of, can I be a guy? (laughs) (laughs) So there's also... um, a couple of jokes or memes online where uh, it's like the men who were acting, the uh, men who were acting opposite her said that... I didn't care. I didn't care if I had to be a terrible character. Yeah. One guy was like, the only way I could be acting opposite Liu Yifei is if I had to act a uh, as a jackass. And that's okay because I got to act counter Liu Yifei. <laughs> Or there was a meme because, uh, honestly, the chemistry in this drama between Liu Yifei and Chen Xiao were off the charts, but Chen Xiao is married. And so the joke was that everything you see on screen had no true emotion to it. It was just acting. But for the other guys, especially the guys who were jerks, were <laughs> people joke that there was no acting. It was all real emotion. There was certainly one scene where uh, Liu Yifei was, uh, you know, kind of pushing away a guy in a joking manner. Um, the the actor who played Zhou Shu just had this look of bliss on his face that everyone watching or uh, commentators and fans were like, there's no way he wasn't thoroughly enjoying this. You can't just act this out. This is definitely true because, of course, you're playing against the goddess sister. 
And I will say, as a woman myself, whenever I saw Liu Yifei dancing, especially in episode 17, I thought she looked like a goddess uh, has actually come down to earth to dance. And this is such a big difference because right now, I think a lot of uh, actresses don't have strong dance foundation, but then it's not they, that they don't have strong dance foundation, not just that, but there's like rampant use of body doubles for the dancing so that you actually aren't seeing anything. And also it's just, oh, the actress just spinning circles in place. There's no actual dance. Um, no, I think it's foundation. And so everyone was like, oh, Louis Faye is actually dancing. She has the poise and composure. And you know that like, yeah, certainly that poise when you're dancing, when you see a ballet dancer, you're like, oh, just how she holds herself. You know she's a ballet dancer. That's what you get from Louis Faye. That's why I really like it. All right, we need to pause. Stop trying here. I know, seriously. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep on talking. (laughs) Okay, for my third thing about what I liked for this drama is that it does show various facets of women. The drama's key theme is that just because you're born of a certain status does not mean you are not able to make a name for yourself. Alternatively, on the flip side, you could say that just because you are born of a higher status doesn't necessarily make you automatically a better person. This is evident in the journeys of the three women, Pan Er, Sen Yang, and Yin Zhang. Each woman has their strengths and weaknesses, which ultimately makes them human. While certain scenes were frustrating, I do think, you know, I'll be the first to admit, we'll talk about some of the things I didn't like about the drama. It did drag on a little bit, but ultimately the rewards were more deserved. What I particularly liked about this drama is that it once again emphasized that women are appreciated for having their own skills. Par could dance, could make tea, could play soccer, could gamble, could run a restaurant, and was just all around highly skilled. That did not make her overbearing, but instead only more impressive. Sun Yang may not have been educated, but she had her strength and amazing cooking skills that no one could take away from her. Similarly, Yin Zhang's pipa skills were enough for her to actually be quite wealthy despite the fact that it meant she was a musician and of the pariah or jianji class. But that also, again, reflects the patriarchal society that we have such skilled women and they are still struggling in society. The key takeaway for me, though, is that women should strive to be the best for themselves and not just for others. What is important is that these women were attractive to so many people around them just by being the best at who they are. And I really like that. The other component is that these women in this drama, sure, there were some misunderstandings here and there, but it is so unlike palace dramas where women just continuously backstabbed each other. That was a key complaint for or not a complaint, but a question mark throughout the drama as it was airing. Everybody was like, is this girl going to backstab this other one? What's going to happen? And then fortunately, spoiler alert, that does not happen. Uh, Women throughout this drama were helping other women, which is really nice because we have seen too many palace dramas where that does not happen. All right, my turn. That was Karen's three. That took a while. So <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was ranting for a long time. And trust me, I only got through a little bit of what I liked. 
Okay, my turn, right? <laughs> so for my uh, first topic, I loved, loved the history that's depicted here. The drama does such a good job in showing off important elements of Chinese history and culture. We've mentioned episodes 16 and 17 quite a lot, but let's showcase episode 16. We are treated to an entire episode dedicated to the art of tea making during the Song Dynasty. We have touched upon this in our podcast series for the story of Minglan, but it is even more beautifully brought to life here. Fun fact, the dancing that Pan does was improvised by Liu Yifei, which I thought added a lot to the scene, uh, but might not be historically accurate. Whatever. There are also many other examples in the drama where the director clearly wanted to share the vast wealth of culture and history that China had to offer. We get snacks, we get desserts, we get cuisine, we get dancing. All of that to showcase the quote-unquote splendor of the Eastern capital. Whether they were all historically accurate, as in all historically accurate to like that specific reign of that emperor, probably not, but everything looked amazing. There are, as I mentioned before, several fantastic dance scenes um, that everybody should check out. There's also one hilarious character that has like a cameo in that dance scene, so um, just look out for it. The next one that is a highlight for me are the minor characters. Karen's gonna have like a detracting view, but I thought that we have an amazing supporting cast in this drama. What are you talking about? I love the supporting cast. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so we have Chu Yane, who is an absolute hoot with his antics and initial hatred of Zhao Pan. You watch all the fan videos of him right now, and he's like, I think, the absolute so scene stealer. He's an older, I mean, he's older than Par, but essentially he's like a big kid who never grew up. He has tons of money and is uh, considered a bully, but he's harmless. And pretty much every scene you have of him, you're just laughing your ass off because he's so funny. Right. So along with Chi uh, Yane, there is like the older poets who love to spend time with the ladies at their um, tea shop or their restaurant and they like fight over ooh, who gets the exclusive reservation or invite. There's um, Gu Qianfan's protege Chen Lian who is so caring and loyal. I love him to death. And of course you have Gu Qianfan's father, Xiao Qinyan, who quite frankly is a calculating bastard but he does it so well. Throughout the entire drama, everyone's like, is he good? Is he bad? I can't tell. Each person really feels alive in this drama instead of having actors just saying their lines, which I think really adds to it. Um, shout out to this one character called He Si. He's like the chubby character who is one of Chi Yane's servants, and he's absolutely hilarious. He's not only hilarious, but he's so precious, you know? Like, you just want to... Squeeze him. Give him a big hug. He's like your big teddy bear. Let's just say how popular this drama is that even the really, really minor characters, like super minor, they didn't have, these people didn't even have, even have speaking lines and they blew up on Weibo because everyone, well, one guy was uh, so wooden that <laughs> people were laughing at him and then he was like, no, I'm not that wooden. I can act. And so everyone was like, wow, for a dream of splendor, 
a non-speaking role can even grow to have so many fans. So that that definitely speaks to uh, how much people receive, how well people receive the first at least 14 episodes of the drama. And lastly, Karen talked a little bit about this or touched upon this a little bit earlier, but I really appreciated that this sisterhood in the drama was about older women. Women here are older than 20. That does not happen in Chinese dramas. They're all like 16 or 18 starting off because otherwise they are too old to be unmarried in China. That's what usually happens in the book. In dramas, they never really say the name because other, or sorry, say the age. Otherwise, it's like too obvious. Like, hey, um, she does not look like she's 16. She's obviously a bit older. But here, we do get ages over 20 for our main cast. But hot, hot take, Liu Yifei is in her 30s and she looks absolutely stunning. But what that means is that the relationships in this drama, and this drama is uh, pretty much just a love story. It is a lighthearted rom-com. There is no getting around that. Sure, there are some like, you know, political things going on here and there, but it is a lighthearted rom-com at its core. The issues that a lot of these women have to face in their relationships is one, for example, Sun Yang actually was divorced and has a kid. How does she deal with that? Zhao Pan was part of the Yanxi class in China. How does she deal with that in her relationship? And how the men and women interact with each other in these relationships is just so comfortable because everybody is much older and they don't have time for a lot of really silly games that you would see in other rom-coms. Somebody did, Yin Zhang did, and it did not go well for her. To that point, the other women helped each other out, whether that was Zhang Haohao, another performer, or finally the Empress. The drama made it clear that despite the patriarchy, women did have power, and to that point, older women helped each other out. All right, so that's my three. Karen, we do have to talk about what we didn't like. They might not necessarily be negatives, but things that could have been better. Right. So number one is I thought that the soundtrack or the OST, it could have been better. It literally has two of the most well-known or best singers for soundtracks right now. Right now. Uh, one is Zhang Liangying and the other is Liu Yuning. Both of them have sung so many hit songs from various dramas as part of their soundtracks. But for this drama, I thought it was like fine, run of the mill. It wasn't a blockbuster. It's not something that I'll be like listening to on and off. I mean, I ha do have it on repeat, but it's not like my favorite. The reason why we're judging OSTs is because you compare this OST, which is the original soundtrack, to Liu Yifei's hit drama, Xian Jian, which had a banger uh, OST. And now you can probably understand why we're like, eh, it's like, eh, yeah, it's fine. Number two, I did think that the middle uh, section of the drama, so I think like after episode 22 or so into episode 32 out of 40 episodes was eh, kind of dragged on a bit. 
For me, I didn't really care why Gu Tianfan felt so troubled about his relationship with Pan in the middle. There was some contrived uh, conflict, which Pan got over, but still, it was like, ugh, come on, this is taking too long. Also, Yin Zhang's plot point was a little redundant from what happened at the beginning of the drama. I certainly loved Yin Zhang in the last eight episodes and wish we had them from uh, her after her first marriage, basically what Yin Zhang grew to become. I wish we didn't have a second kind of trial for her, uh, which is what we got in the middle section of the drama. So anyways, I thought episodes 25 to 32 or so, 22 to 32 were kind of eh, but otherwise, overall, the 40 episode drama was great. The last thing is that the acting of certain side characters did take me out of the drama a bit. Not a huge issue, but the Empress, for example, I thought was overall quite weak compared to the others. I think she probably was the weakest one. The weakest link, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, now on to mine. I will be honest, I am much more critical about this drama than Karen is, so I will have more to say. The first one is the annunciation of uh, Liu Yifei and Lin Yun, the actresses for Zhao Pan and Song Yinzhang. For those who don't um, understand Chinese or don't understand Mandarin, fine, you might not pay attention to it. But um, for me, the spoken dialogue was not great for those two. In this drama, um, the actors and actresses all use their real voices and aren't dubbed, which is, like I said, a trend that has continued for the past couple of years. Now, this was really my first time hearing Liu Yifei's true voice in Mandarin because usually her lines are dubbed in the Chinese dramas. And I was quite disappointed. Ah! I don't know. I mm, she is disappointed. I thought it was fine. I like her voice. It is very you know calming and soothing. Uh, whatever. <laughs> we will agree to disagree. Sure. Well, for me at least, Liu Yifei and Lin Yun's lines just didn't sound very crisp, and they seemed to me a bit more broken, and didn't really convey much emotion. I'll contrast them to Liu Yan, who acts as Sun Senyang. She's got great enunciation. But that, again, is just me being very, very nitpicky. Number two. I thought the drama was way too sanitized to be an accurate depiction of the Song Dynasty. For example, it's a big point that Zhao Pan, Gu Qianfan, and another male character, Du Changfeng, are all virgins. In no world would that have been the case for men in their 30s. This, I think, was also one of the biggest criticisms of the drama that they made this a big point in the drama because, quite honestly, this would not have been the case. Or realistically, who cares? If you're trying to be more progressive in showing a drama about women who are independent, like, who cares what they did in their past life, right? Mm -hmm. It was certainly something that exploded all over Weibo and people were like why why did they have to bring this up they shouldn't have talked about this at all like who cares well the other thing is um Zhao Pan spends a lot of her time sort of condescending So Yinzhang about her class despite the fact that she used to be of the Jianji 
which I also didn't really like because, again, the drama sanitized a lot of the pretty dark aspects of life for women in that time. Again, this is a dream, so maybe everything just needed to have, like, a sheer glean on it. But um, those are some nitpick details. Which brings me to the last point of the ending being way too much of a fairy tale. Honestly, the whole drama was a fairy tale. I won't spoil too much of it, but in the end, everything sort of fell into place. I felt like it was way too saccharine of an ending for me. Maybe I just like a little bit of realism in my dramas, a la Empresses in the Palace or the story of Minglan. But hey, overall, I had a great time. All right, let's wrap up with some final thoughts. This drama deserves a solid 7.5, and then I'm adding a full point because I'm just in awe at how beautiful Liu Yifei is, seriously. So for me, this drama gets an 8.5. For me, I will give it a 7.5. I seriously cannot describe how much of a treat this drama was just for the elegance and grace exhibited on screen. <laughs> by Liu Yifei, at least that is my personal opinion, and just how beautiful the uh, the set is and uh, product design, costumes, um, etc. This drama is certainly by no means a perfect drama, nor do I think it will be a classic compared to the likes of Nirvana in Fire, Lang Yabang, or Empresses in the Palace, Jin Huan Zhuan. I don't know where I would place it in terms of if it's better or worse than Zhufo. Maybe from a classic perspective, it is not as good as Zhufo, but from a lighthearted perspective, a little bit better. Um, I would rank this below uh, Joy of Life or Qing Yunyan in terms of drama quality, but that does not mean I did not thoroughly enjoy this drama. Seriously, I've gushed about it enough for the last half hour. For me, this was a lighthearted, sickeningly sweet, and sometimes serious story of young women hoping to change the world's view of themselves in the capital during the Northern Song Dynasty in 40 episodes. It was such a pleasure to watch this drama over the summer. I don't know if you'll like it as much as I did. I think it really is because of our history with the actresses throughout the drama, but I had a fantastic time binge and chasing this drama. Thank you all so much for listening. This was our discussion on Meng Hua Lu, A Dream of Splendor. This review is on uh, our website, www.chasingdramas.com. I need to finish typing it up, but the full review will be up shortly. If you have any comments or questions about this drama or just want to chat about your thoughts, because I'm very happy to chat about this drama with you, uh, reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter, or you can email us at Kathy at chasingdramas.com. We will catch you in our next podcast episode. <laughs>